Hey everyone, Dave Broadbeck here. The lecture you're about to hear is for psychology, also biology, uh, 3506 Neuropharmacology, and it's for the, uh, I guess, winter of 2018. Enjoy. All right. So today, finish up the final two topics. Uh, one, of course, is uh, cannabis. The other one's going to be LSD-like drugs or, well, hallucinogenic. So, cannabis, cannabis sativa is the thing we're talking about here. Marijuana. Uh, there may be other species as well. A lot of people talk about indica, but it's not. By the, it isn't necessarily another species. It's probably a subspecies. It's pretty easy to cross them. The big difference between the two is the, the, the key ingredients here we're ever going to talk about are THC and CBD. CBD is cannabidiol. And then there's THC is... Uh, I just forgot what THC is. Tetrahydrocannabinol. Uh, and it's the ratio of those two. So CBD to THC, the ratio is much higher in what people call indica than it is in standard pot. And in fact, when you look at stuff that's been used for making rope, things like that, uh, it's more, quote, indica. Okay? So the very low THC, that's the indica one, and very high in CBD, that's typically stuff that's going to be used in industrial applications, things like making cloth, making paper, right? Uh, all kinds of stuff like that. When ingested, that does that has a much more sort of a calming effect, and the paranoia and all that stuff really isn't there so much. It's not as fun. The paranoia is no fun, but the other parts of marijuana are a great deal of fun. Okay. And, yes, I know, George Washington made grew hemp. Well, therefore, everything should be legal. I, I'm all for legalization, but that's not an argument. George Washington also held slaves. So, you know, <laughs> we don't go, oh, well, then that's fine. Well, most of us don't. So THC is the active ingredient. It's the one that we're interested in. It's the, it's the rewarding one, right? There's also delta-8, tetrahydrocannabinol, delta-8 THC, uh, but it comes it's in very small quantities. So the, the, the key thing is delta-9. As usual, here's my helpful organic chemistry diagram for you. I'm sure that was very useful. Okay. I think we all know how you ingest marijuana. You can eat it. Edibles have become a big thing, uh, especially in places where marijuana has become legal. And it's not just brownies and uh, cookies anymore. It's, it's gummies. So you've got to make... Notice how they're all things that kids might like. So you might want to keep these in a separate cupboard away from your children. Make your own cookies or brownies. Your house is going to smell like marijuana for days. I'm just saying. It's not good. Also, you don't eat the cookies or the brownies like regular cookies and brownies. 
Oh, I have four of these. <laughs> Hope you're not busy for the next few days. <laughs> very little to do, let's hope, because you're going to be very hot. Happily, it's almost impossible to overdose in this stuff, but you can get very hot. <laughs> you don't want to, you know. I've seen people eat, like, two cookies, and then you go, get half of it, man, half a cookie. But they're pretty good. No, they're not. There's just so much extra sugar in them, they can't cancel back to eating and eating. So you can make tea. My mom's never smoked marijuana or ingested any, and she's always like, oh, I would anything that you have to smoke. Right? And my parents had these friends in the early 70s and these two hippies. Very weird, like straight legs parents and these hippies. And they were like, we can make you tea, man. And I was like, no, it's okay. But tea's another possibility. <laughs> A lot of synthetics have been developed in the last 15 years uh, because there's a lot of nice side effects besides the main effect that we're mostly interested in typically, which is, of course, you know, being high. They don't. I use the word doobie there kind of ironically because no one says that anymore. Uh, they don't work as well for, even for the things they're designed for, they're usually anti-nausea drugs. That's what these things are designed as. Okay? Uh, THC is a great anti-nausea drug. It'll, it'll, I've always said uh, on the, uh, it'll, there's a ferry between uh, Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, and when I used to live there, I said they should just hand out marijuana because people wouldn't be seasick and they'd also sell more food at the cafeteria. It would be perfect for everybody. So here's a, a few of them. Often they're used in chemo treatments. Okay, people tend to get nauseous when they take chemotherapy. So one of the things that's often now prescribed is a synthetic marijuana. You take a pill. So it's, uh, it's a THC pill. The thing is, nobody yet has developed a pill that works as well as taking a hit off a joint. It works better than almost anything. But a lot of people don't want to smoke anything. Right? And of course, it wasn't legal, or it isn't legal up until, well, sometime in July. Which is a day that will be celebrated as a holiday. Well, it's Canada Day. Canada Day is going to be very mellow this year. People go and look at the fireworks, a lot of that. So, a little bit of history. Uh, the Scythians, these are some ancient people. They originally spread it, they were the people that. Spread this out to the world. Sort of a Middle East kind of area. The word assassin comes from hashish. So these are ancient. Now, and also then there's the Templars, and then they have hidden blades. No, that's a video game. Uh, actually, the assassins weren't full of hashish. That's how could you go out and kill people if you were hot? Do the math, right? Like it's not a performance-enhancing drug. We could also just let him go and go get some falafels. Like I mean, so <laughs> Middle East falafels, anybody? So instead, what it was was a, it was a uh, pejorative term, was saying these guys were all crazy on drugs, and they weren't. Okay. So the hashishans. 
So the Chinese, eventually spreads to China, ah, it's better, uh, like 6,000 years ago. So people were smoking marijuana 6,000 years ago in China. And then as I said, well, of course they were in Chinese food. What other food did they get? It's all those words in Chinese 6,000 years ago. You can still find it growing wild in China. A friend of mine, uh, his dad was worked at the U.S. Embassy in China, and he said it was possible when he was like in his teens, and it was possible for him to walk in fields and find it. He wasn't supposed to take it. Well, I'm just going to say he wasn't supposed to take it. Well, go any further than that, the Chinese government looks very poorly, and of course his father's, you know, being employed by the American government wouldn't look very fondly on it either, but you can fill in the rest of the story. It got to India where we get the wonderful names Ganja and Bong. What do you think Bong? You know what a Bong is. Everybody knows what a Bong is, right? Okay, so I once drew a Bong on a blackboard in the class. Wait for the next class. Like, hey, drew Bongs on the board? What's going on? So the names Ganja and Bong come actually from India. Ganja, of course, is a, a slang term for marijuana. And Bong is a, well, that's what you term Bong. So it spreads all over the place. People like it. It's a pretty old drug as far as human ingestion, right? It's not as old as alcohol or something. But it's as old easily as opium. Yeah, it's as old as opium or, or coca leaves. Right? Certainly older than coffee. And it was used, as I mentioned, for George Washington, for rope and cloth. It was, it was the biggest cash crop um, in the United States. And it still is the biggest cash crop in the United States, except it's not entirely legal. People in the Middle East and in China are smoking it to get high. People in the West aren't. They're making rope. And a guy named Gautier uh, writes a book. Uh, book? Some books. Novellas kind of thing. A guy named Gautier, and he writes a book called Le Club d'Achision, and it's about his experience and his friend's experiences smoking what he calls hash. Now, the difference is it's not prepared the same way we prepare hashish today. He's French, so of course he cooks it in butter. <laughs> so he cooks the stuff in butter and makes this paste. It almost sounds delicious, right? And then a little cream, you know, a little bit of garlic. No, there was no cream and garlic, but there was butter. Like, he cooked it down in butter, and they let it harden. And they eat it, or they smoke it. So I think it's funny, you know, the French guys are cooking it with butter. It's just perfect. That was on cooking show. <laughs> so as I said, it's the biggest cash crop in the United States, and it actually, at the time, in the, you know, during the Revolutionary War, but it also, in fact, still is the biggest cash crop in the United States. It's bigger than corn or wheat. Much smaller area, right? A variable land is taken up, but it's, you can get you can sell it for more. Okay, so it's legal in the states, and then it starts to spread around that people start smoking it. It's spread mostly, interestingly enough, by jazz musicians. Because if you ever want to find out what the new happening drug is, you find jazz musicians. They also eventually bring heroin to the states. Yeah, they're fun people. 
So what happens is in 1937, they don't want to make it illegal because people still use it to make rope and stuff. So they say you have to pay taxes on it. And the tax is huge. Right? It's like a 100% tax. So it basically shuts down the rope industry from hemp. But it also, it isn't illegal to possess marijuana at the time. It is illegal in the States and in Canada. We follow the similar law. It is illegal to have marijuana and not have paid your federal marijuana tax, which no one ever pays. But remember, how did they get Al Capone for bootlegging? They got him because he didn't pay taxes on his crimes. They didn't catch him for any crimes. He hadn't paid any taxes. So it's the same idea here. So we're going to send the IRS, in that case, or Revenue Canada back then, uh, at in 1970, both in the U.S. and Canada, it becomes what, they, what people call a Schedule One drug. So it, uh, it, it, in Canada, the Narcotics Control Act mentions marijuana. It still does. Uh, and so now it is, though it's not punished nearly as much in Canada as in the States, it now becomes this drug in the 1970s that is in the same class legally as, 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 as uh, heroin and cocaine. Wow. Things are a little more lenient in Canada now. And not just leading up to legalization in the last 30 years to become a lot more sensible. A plurality, most people, not a majority, but a plurality of prisoners in the states. And the states have more people incarcerated per capita than any Western country. And they're mostly in jail for marijuana offenses. You should find that disturbing. I hope you do. Recently, uh, medical marijuana has become pretty common. Uh, it's difficult still to get the certificates to, to say that you can have medical marijuana, but you can get them, and it's getting more and more easy in the States and in Canada. Um, the thing with the States, of course, is there's 50 different sets of laws. In Canada, we have one law because we're more sensible. So we just have law for Canada. Okay, criminal code, but in, in the States, there's 50 different sets of laws. So what may be legal in one state is not legal in another, where it doesn't, where it doesn't work that way, of course, in Canada. So that's become much more common now. And you'll see shortly when we talk about all the effects of marijuana that there's really sensible reasons for that. The, the federal government actually grows marijuana to be, to be dispensed to people in Canada, in an abandoned mine in Flin Flon, Manitoba, home of Bobby Clark, the Philadelphia Flint. Gotta grow it somewhere. So they had an abandoned mine. Let's grow some weed there. And it's funny, I remember an interesting exchange in the Canadian Senate, and it was, uh, what's her name, Senator, I think her name was Pat Carney, and conservative senator, and she said that. She was talking about how this was a ridiculous thing, and why not? And she's from BC. She said, There's a lot of people that know how to grow marijuana in my province. Why don't we get them to do it? Uh, in Holland, in, in, in the Netherlands, marijuana actually, it's, it's interesting. People talk about how they think that in, in, in Holland, 
marijuana is just legal everywhere and everyone's high all the time. You get this idea that Amsterdam is just people walking around smoking weed, just that's all they do. And in fact, that's not the case. It's actually very heavily regulated. And you can only buy marijuana in the Netherlands in certain shops legally buy other places. But why would you buy it illegally if you can go into a little cafe and say, I'd like a cup of coffee, one of the regular brownies, and an ounce of the Afghan black, please? And you sit there and you smoke it. You're not supposed to leave with it. People do. But you smoke it there. And it's only in certain districts, certain parts, but typically mostly in Japan. So it's not like you can just walk around in the Netherlands and smoke weed everywhere. People have this notion, but it's not quite like that. They're very careful about it. But they also don't have half their population in jail because of marijuana. It was almost legal in 20, 2002 in Canada. The marijuana laws were, were struck down by the Supreme Court. 2002 was a strange year. It was the year that the marijuana law was struck down. It was also the year that the abortion law was struck down. We don't have, as you probably know, we don't have an abortion law in Canada. We have an abortion. Um, the federal government almost didn't get the new marijuana law in on time. And there was a lot of pressure then on the then Kretschmer government to legalize marijuana. Uh, they didn't. They made they decriminalized it, but also made some very strange other rules, like you couldn't really grow it yourself, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But it will be legal in 2018. So that's clarified. They, yeah. They decriminalized it? You basically decriminalized it to the point where... Now, having a small amount for personal use and a small amount is, I think, usually considered like an answer for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, they made it worse for selling. Right, but simple possession is no, it's no not, longer it, a criminal offense. It's, it's, Under 28 grams, yeah, that's simple right. possession yeah. is no longer They're a criminal, criminal offense. That's right. It's a fine. It's like a bylaw fine, right? Uh, a bylaw, it's a law. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a fine, basically. If I understand correctly. Yeah, 28 grams. I was going to say, no, okay, the only reason you're saying this is because me and him were having this debate, and the only reason I was stating it was wrong was because when they introduced the ACNPR platform replacing the MMAR and the PR, they introduced a law that actually restricted it, and that's why they were introducing the, uh, the uh, promotion of the licensing drive. So they're actually getting stricter on the law as a possession. The law, when, that, when the law was brought in in 2002, it actually made possession like of a plant way, way worse than it used to be. Yeah, well, which well, is strange. Absolutely. So growing for your own personal use, which is the idea. Of, and there were all kinds of rumors back then. Oh, you can have one plant in your house. Everybody was like, awesome. And then it's like, no. Then a SWAT team will show up, right? So not quite that. But things things are, are getting well. It's only if you're playing Call of Duty. Reference: No one's getting good. But uh, things are going to change now. The way it's going to work, of course, as you know, is that different provinces will have different regulations, but it will be legal everywhere. So right now in Ontario, province we're of course in, you're going to end up having marijuana sold by the LCBO, but probably not in LCBO stores in separate outlets. Which seems to me, well, all it's going to do is add an extra stop on my grocery shopping on Saturdays. Because right now it's grocery store, liquor store, home. That was the grocery store, liquor store. I want to get some weed, Isabel? Yeah, let's get some weed. Go get some. Go home. They, they, uh, they pushed the legalization date back to uh, August now. Yeah, I think 
I was reading that. Yeah, right. I've heard that too. That may be pushed to August because they want to make sure all the provinces have their regulations in, in, uh, in place. Yeah. And it's going to be different in every. Just like liquor's different in every province. It's legal in Canada, but it's like for some places, it's there's private places, uh, private stores can sell liquor. Other places, it's only government run. Except. I also heard shoppers is right now bidding to get in on that as well for online sales. Shoppers drug mart yes. makes sense. It's drug. I've always said it's crazy that you can't sell cigarettes in drugstores. It's a drug. But they want to only do it online. On, online's great. That means I never have to actually leave my house. That's <laughs> is that your weed app? Oh, and if it's shoppers, I might get those PC points. Excellent. No, it's off. Yeah, off of them now. That's right. They have 110,000 points. I wonder how much weed that'll buy me. A lot of weed. Weed points. President's Choice Memories of the Hindu Kush. <laughs> Believe me, I'm sure they've, they've already trademarked all that stuff. Um, now, of course, Washington and Colorado, and now more recently uh, Alaska and California, or as the former governor used to call it, California, have uh, legalized marijuana for recreational sales. Not, again, not just for medical reasons, but for recreational use. In some respects, it kind of mirrors what happened during Prohibition in the States, because when, when alcohol was outlawed in the U.S., they said, you could still get alcohol if you needed it for medicinal purposes. So you just had to find a doctor that would say you needed a quart of whiskey a day and write a prescription, and it was completely legal. There's this wonderful thing when Winston Churchill arrives in the States uh, for a visit in the 1920s, and uh, he has a doctor's note saying he needs at least a quart of whiskey a day for his nerves because he likes alcohol. So you could, still could get alcohol, right? Same thing with, with marijuana. You could get it now for medical reasons, but now soon it'll be for everything, which is sensible. And of course, this is inevitable. If you take a look at these data here, I got this from the 538 website a couple of years ago. Um, if you look at the age, so this is, a, this is about five-year-old data, so you can just add five to all these ages. How many people in their lifetime have used marijuana? Look at this. Okay, now you have people between 40 and 50. That's the people who run countries, right? Over half have used it in their lifetime. The interesting thing is here is these two bumps of either the past year or the past past year and past month. So this is people right around 20, now 25, let's say. Right? And I imagine this is just whole net. It's not like it's just moved over. So it, the legalization is inevitable. was inevitable. It's going to happen not only here, it's going to happen probably almost in all Western countries. And I was very surprised when some American states beat Canada to that. I'm very surprised. Though those are pretty liberal states. All right. There's been propaganda against marijuana for a very long time. The poster on the right is for a wonderful movie that you can find legally online. So if you want to torrent this from somewhere, you can do that. It's completely legal. It's out of copyright. You can actually find it at archive.org. Uh, you know, at archive. It's called Reefer Madness, and it is hilarious. It's an anti-marijuana, or as they call it there, marijuana with an H, because, you know, people couldn't deal with Jays making it a sound back then. And it's funny. This guy here, 
he's the marijuana pusher. And he's getting her to smoke this marijuana. And the funny thing is, nobody, um, they don't inhale. This goes, <laughs> By the way, you don't have to hold it in. You know? There's a tip. That whole thing, you know, doesn't help. All it does is make you woozy from not breathing. You've inhaled it, it doesn't help at all. Does it not need it longer? No, it doesn't, does, that doesn't, do it, doesn't do it. It's an appreciable thing. It's, it's not worth it all. It doesn't make you cough. So this is a funny movie, and the guy on the left at one point, there's a very funny scene. What, apparently in this movie, what it makes you do is it, it, it's like taking meth. Like it's, it's completely the wrong... They're trying to scare children, right? And other people, too. And he just... He's, there's this wonderful part... Maybe I'll find it, if I can find it on YouTube, and I'll, I'll post it on, on the website, but it's... He's getting her to play piano. He's going, play faster. Play faster. And it's wonderful. I'll say this, that I don't want to spoil it, because you should watch it. It's funny. Um, the ending's hilarious. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, on the left, as you can see, apparently there are... This is a different one. Marijuana Weed from the Devil's Garden, which is a, a T-shirt I used to wear. I had that... Um, that I don't really want tenure shirt. Uh, but apparently these people were injecting marijuana. I, I don't know why you would mainline marijuana. And weird orgies, wild parties, and unleashed passions. Apparently, again, the producers of this film have never seen anybody smoke marijuana. Most people wouldn't have the energy to have weird orgies or anything else or unleashed passions. It's passions for this, like passions for... What if we, what was I saying? Oh, I know, we could, do we have any food? <laughs> like that's the passion, right? I watched a friend of mine once eat a can of corn out of the can and then drink the juice because he was also thirsty. The whole time laughing and saying, it's pretty good. And I'm going, no, it's no way, man. It's not pretty good. It's pretty good. That's part is he pull, pulls up this can and goes, niblets? <laughs> Things you say when you're high. Watch that movie, though. It's hilarious. I don't mean for the test on Wednesday. But I mean, at some point, it's an entertaining thing to watch. To take a look at what, the US, in this case, the U.S. government was trying to tell people marijuana did. And it's, it's complete lies and it's hilarious. Okay. It's very lipid soluble, which is why you can make it into cookies and things like that. So that means it's going to be absorbed pretty quickly, right? But when it's administered orally, uh, you get a different kind of. Uh, the absorption is more slow than it is when you uh, smoke it. But the, the high lasts longer, the therapeutic window, we can call that, will be longer, right? The wider, if you want to call it that. Smoking is way faster. Right. As many of you know, I'm sure none of you have ever smoked marijuana. Lungs, blood, brain, pretty quick. And when I was young, you had to smoke a lot more than you had to net. Pot's way better than used to be. Just saying. So when you burn it, there's also psychoactive compounds that are created, but they're not in appreciable amounts. But they're probably part of the reason that the subjective experience is somewhat different. 
It's still delta-9 THC that you really care about. It's metabolized in the liver. That shouldn't surprise you. That's where things are metabolized. Um, it's also metabolized in the lungs and smoke. It's metabolized in the intestines. The intestines if it's eaten. A lot of the metabolites are active. Now, cannabidiol, we talked about before, um, blocks the metabolism of THC. So what it ends up doing is sort of, again, it's the simple CB to THC ratio. It kind of smooths things out. Okay. So how did people figure out the neuropharmacology of this stuff. So remember I told you in the early 80s, people figured out that there were receptors for opiates. And there pretty much had to be, we knew that because the shape of the opiate affected how, uh, correlated with how effective something was, et cetera. So they knew there had to be a receptor for opiates. Same thing, people pretty much figured out for cannabinoids. So at the National Institutes of Mental Health in the States, in Bethesda, Maryland, one group was working um, on finding out where a synthetic cannabinoid, in this case, Levon Matredol, uh, where to find it in the rat brain. And another group in, in another lab found a gene that coded for a receptor. So they had these two brain maps, and the brain maps matched. Which I think is great, sort of shows you that science is really pretty cool because it's, it's kind of serendipitous. I'm not saying they were talking, obviously they're working on similar topics, but one group's working on this gene that codes for a receptor. They don't know what the receptor does. The other group is looking at where they had a radioactive cannabinoid, right, to see where it would bind in a rat brain, and the, the maps overlap. Pretty cool. Make sense? See how that works? So at this point now, they find out that there is a, cannab a THC receptor. They have all other cannabinoid receptors. So where are receptors for THC? Cortex. Okay, that shouldn't surprise you. Think about the effects of marijuana, before we can go into them. It messes with higher order cognition. <laughs> That's what your, your cortex does. Hippocampus, this shouldn't surprise you. You have trouble with memory, and in fact, there are dissociative effects. One of the nice things about giving uh, chemo patients THC is that they will not only get, it'll deal with the uh, nausea, but it also makes it so that they're not going to remember or so have, they have trouble associating the, the, the hospital with sickness, just like everyone as we talked about giving people benzodiazepines during chemo. Cerebellum, this is about smooth movement. This is about a little bit about timing. Basal ganglia, connections between the limbic system and the cortex. Spinal cord. Spinal cord? Actually, it's a mild anesthetic. So it shouldn't surprise you that there be spinal effects. Brainstem, Hypothalamus, you ever, I don't know if you know this, but people when they get high sometimes get the munchies. And then sometimes they get really, really thirsty. 
that those are hypothalamus effects. My favorite one's the spleen. Everybody loves the spleen. What's the spleen do? Yeah, it makes white blood cells, right? It's, it's important in your immune system. And in fact, your THC is a great, or hey, I shouldn't say great. THC is a compound that is useful as a, uh, an antibiotic. Got an eye infection? Get high. Why is what? Why is what? Oh, because it makes your immune system work harder. Like it makes your immune system make more blood cells. Now, I think it'd be a better idea to take a targeted antibiotic. I'm not saying every time you get sick, you think, well, probably should get high. It's not the... Here we're talking about, you know, taking a pill. All right, so the effects. Bloodshot eyes, those are real. That's a real effect. Sales of Visine around high schools. I could have a little. In my high school, I could sell uh, on the way in to school. If I had like a little concession selling little things of Visine, I think I would have been a millionaire. Droopy eyes, it's an effect on your muscles. Face the idea of this sort of thing. Your eyes are all droopy, that's a real effect. It relaxes the muscles around your eye. Now, I will say, however, the idea of dilated pupils is not really an effect. For the longest time, people thought dilated pupils was a side effect of marijuana. In fact, that was that's because most people smoke weed in dimly lit areas. No one says, let's turn the lights up really bright, listen to Bob Marley and get stoned. Instead, what they do is they turn the lights off, they, they put a red light bulb in, in, a, in a light fixture and listen to tubular bells. Maybe that's just me and my friends. It's cool. Tubular bells is, you know, it's from the exorcist. And then we wrote a letter to the Pope. We mailed it, too. We never got a reply. Dear Pope, that's how it started. I, I don't know why we wrote the Pope a letter. I don't remember what the content was. That told you serious. Oh, no, that happened. <laughs> All these stories I'm telling you are true. We did that. Did 1985. I, I can't remember what we wrote it. I don't even know if it got there. I think we just addressed it to Pope Rome. And just put it in the mail. But you know, you do something like that, we should mail this. Okay. What's his address? And you know, of course, no one, you know, Google back then. You know, I don't know how to just write Pope Rome. It'll get there. Anybody have a stamp? We're all like, I don't know. Do I, I, like, and, and normally you'd go, no. Okay, he's like, I, I'll get a look. Do we have any? No, of course we don't have But it's to the Pope. They'll just send it. It's completely reasonable. One of the things you'll get is uh, what my friends and I used to call the drive, so I get really, really thirsty and your mouth gets dry. Uh, we called it that until we changed the name of that officially to Goonie Mouth because we went to the movie The Goonies and we might have smoked weed before that. And... Um, my friend, who I will not name because this is on the internet and this could get him in trouble in the job he has. See, I, I don't care. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but anyway he, 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 his mouth was like really, really dry and he was going like this. And we kept saying, stop it! They're going to find out! Because <laughs> you're stupid, right? And you're 20. And um, 
And of course, it's the Goonies on a Sunday night, so it's just mostly families and kids and three high people. <laughs> so we changed the name of that to Goonie Mouth. It's only useful in London, Ontario, in the mid-1980s, among about six people. The munchies are real. Again, these are hypothalamus effects. And you will get very, very hungry. In fact, there has been some success using marijuana for people with anorexia to make them hungry. Now, of course, you've got to convince people with anorexia or bulimia to actually eat, too, because they're usually hungry anyway. But there's been some use and some success. How would that work? Because they've found strains specific to uh, actually counteract the munchie effect. Oh, right, so it's probably full of CBD, right? So it's, it, the ratio is really high that way. It makes sense, yeah. The, again, this is a real effect. Uh, it's a physiological thing you get hungry. And the guy who had the Goonie Mouth guy, one night he ate a whole chicken in 90 seconds. It was like a movie. We walked into another friend's house, and he said, this is, it's like a bad movie from the 80s. My, our one friend looks at me and my other friend, I'm really trying hard not to name them, and he says, I don't care what you guys do, don't eat that chicken. My mom just cooked it tonight, and she's letting it, and then... She's going to save it for sandwiches and stuff during the week. So just anything but eat that chicken. And my friend, whose house it is, goes to the bathroom. His parents are right there. We're 20. They knew what we were doing. And my one friend looks at me, and he goes, uh, and he takes it, and he just basically scarfs down a whole chicken. My friend, I almost named him. Other friend comes back from the bathroom. And, and he says, did you eat that chicken? And my wife says, oh, his face is covered in chicken fat. And he goes, no. <laughs> we found another chicken, and we roasted it. From, we found it in the freezer, we defrosted it and roasted a chicken. I'm sure his parents, how could they not know? But that, I, that really happened. I'm just saying. I found out, by the way, that an old friend of mine from high school listens to these, and... Paul, you probably know who those people were. Don't post on Facebook who they were. You know exactly who they were. <laughs> Your heart rate goes up. This can be very unpleasant. You've got to understand, we all laugh at it now and all this stuff, but it can be a very unpleasant experience when you're not ready for this. Because the only other mind-altering thing you've ever done, the only other psychoactive thing you've ever done, typically is drink. And you expect to be like being drunk, and it's not at all like being drunk. Right? So your heart rate speeds up, your mouth is all dry, you're hungry as hell, it's really disturbing, it can be. Um, you get a reduction of pressure on the fluid of the eye, uh, script for cataracts, yeah? Um, that effect, they use that uh, for glaucoma patients. That's right. But now, which receptors would that be acting on? Uh, the, there are ones... Or what uh, causes that? Uh, well, geez, you know what, I don't really answer that question. I'm just trying to think about this. Yeah, I don't know. But it does do that, because it is used for glaucoma. And I know when I had my eye infection, I mean, I still take steroid eye drops for it. I keep saying to the doctor, how about medical marijuana? And he keeps laughing, and I say, you know, you think I'm kidding, don't you? Yeah, sure, it'll all be, all be legal. I think it relieves all the pressure in your eye. Yeah. Because after my surgery, right. that's what I was using too. Right. So it's used for cataracts. I found this great picture. Um, 
as an aside about the munchies. That's outside a medical marijuana shop, or sorry, a, a, a legal recreational marijuana shop in Denver, Colorado, and that's a girl guide selling girl guide cookies. That's a smart kid. <laughs> so this guy, um, I will have all of them, please. I would like a box of all of your cookies. Uh, Anti-nausea is really important here. In fact, a mar Marinol is used as a seasick medication. Take this medication. Uh, but it's also used, as I said, these, these are used quite a bit for uh, chemotherapy. It's an anticonvulsant, which means it's great for controlling epilepsy. It's an antibiotic. It does have sleep effects. It messes with your REM. You'll get REM rebound later. This is the story we've heard about almost all drugs. So it prevents you from. Yeah, you don't get you don't get uh, as much REM. People report vivid dreams, but not as many dreams. But you get REM rebound the next night. I mean, it's one of these things. But it's well, it's just like a lot of things. Think about like, uh, hey, codeine, it'll put you to sleep, but you don't dream very much, right? Same without. So you're saying when you smoke, you dream less. You dream less, but you have more vivid dreams. Yeah. When you quit, they come back. They come back. Everything's very funny. People find things funny typically, so it makes people laugh. Mood changes that typically go from euphoria, laughter, and then really, really what people call mellow, being mellow, being calm. <laughs> Analgesia. The memory effects I've already talked about. Uh, it affects recall more than recognition. This shouldn't surprise us. Uh, recall is harder than recognition. So it's basically affecting episodic memory, but recognition is easy because it's easier than recall because the item's actually in front of you. It's called recognition failure of recall. It's got a term for it. Uh, it affects short-term memory too, so people tend to have a problem with, or working memory, so people have a problem with stringing events together. Is this a hippocampal effect? Are these both hippocampal effects? Hard to say, but we do know that it's that, it's, that there are effects on short-term or working memory, and you may have seen this when having a conversation, or watching two people who are high having a conversation, which is really quite a bit better than just doing it yourself. Because watching two people try to talk, and they, meet, they, they, lose the, they lose the point of what they're saying halfway through what they're saying. Remember, that was great. <laughs> they have no idea what they're saying. This should all tell you, by the way, probably shouldn't drive a car. Stringing things together while you're driving a car is kind of an important thing to do. Um, there are attentional effects. Uh, attention is a finite resource, and you then have less of it when you're high. And so it's also harder than to divide attention. Again, important things to do when you're driving a car, so don't drive a car. Or come to class, come to class, or, 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 or operate heavy machinery, do surgery. Why then is playing video games? You know, you're not better at playing video games. You know how you think you're not. No, you're not. That's your money. <laughs> a lot of people, yeah, yeah. People used to say they drove better when they were drunk, too. It's because you don't notice the mistakes you're making. 
Okay, so how about somebody who already has attention deficit, hmm. then smokes and plays video games? It's going to make it worse. It's going to make it worse. Because you have less attention. Attention is a finite resource. If you have less of it, yeah, it should make it worse. I don't know the answer for sure, but I've been speculating. I'm pretty sure you can make things just even worse. So I said, don't drive a car. Um, there are biphasic effects on spontaneous motor activity in rats. At first, they'll move around a lot, and then they'll stop. It's exactly like I said, like with people, right? You get kind of energized, and everything's funny, and you're having a good time. Maybe you move around a lot, and then you stop. It also has a taming effect on rats. So they're more likely to interact with individuals they've never met before. They're less likely to be violent. There are timing effects, which is interesting because what happens is when rats are given THC, um, they can keep track of time, and their timing is no less accurate than it is when they're not on THC, but the variance is big. So when they make mistakes in their timing, the mistakes are bigger than they are if they're not given THC. Randomized that for John Christie. You hear a lot of people talk about reverse tolerance. The idea that you need less to get the effect you're interested in, the more experienced you are. And that almost certainly is a behavioral thing, and that's because the first time you smoke weed, you expect it to be, as I said, like the only other thing you've ever done is a psychoactive drug, which is probably alcohol. And it's nothing like alcohol. Right? You expect to feel that same sort of thing, and that's not what you feel. So it's actually being more tuned into what you are what you're supposed to what you expect to happen is almost certainly what's happening. It's not about THC being stored up in cells anywhere. That's a, that's a crock. Withdrawal is mild. Uh, it involves usually some sleeping and a case of the stupids. You may feel a little slow the next day, but nothing nothing big. Nothing like say alcohol. I've seen people who smoke too much throw up, but then they throw up because they have that poor judgment. They drink a lot, too. Well, yeah. Yeah. Or they, again, they get the munchies and they eat an entire pizza. Now, we used to be able to order pizza from a place in London and order a specific pizza and ask if a specific driver was working and it would be delivered to your house both the pizza and the hash oil. So, I don't know that, you know, again, Paul knows who that is. You know you're starting to smoke too much when someone calls from the pizza place and says, are you guys going to want any pizza tonight? Same. That did happen as we all looked at each other and went, I think we're smoking a lot of weed. And then it's like, but that's customer service, right? You know, it's, it's like Amazon. So, other species actually don't do this. Uh, in nature. They just don't. Uh, people will titrate it. In other words, if you have a limited amount, you will not smoke all of it at once. 
you will titrate it and to last as long as it can. Typically, people smoke marijuana in groups. There's a whole sort of ritualized aspect to it. It's interesting that it's rare. It's different when you get more, you know, become an adult. But when you're younger, you are not very likely when someone comes to a party and you've got your beer to say, here, have one of my beers. Or to just walk up to somebody and take one of their beers. It's just not something people do. Bad attitude. But if you see people all gather around smoke, passing a joint, you just stand there. Somebody will pass it to you. I don't know why that is. It's just that that's part of the sort of social aspect of, of smoking. Um, most users are actually casual users. They are not daily use people. They are weekend users. So it's casual use. And there's, a, like I said, a ritual to it. So pass, pass it around. You be nice. You don't bogart it, man. Which, of course, comes from Humphrey Bogart. It's definitely really hard to consider. That's where the term comes from. Now, dead cannabidiol is a little different. Um, it has antipsychotic effects, and it decreases limbic system activity. A lot of what it does is it, it, it does the opposite of what THC does. And it has fewer memory effects. And it's an antagonist, as I said, to the cannabinoid receptor. So it kind of is doing, it's fighting against THC in a lot of respects. It's also a serotonin uh, uh, antagonist. And it, smooth, it, it has a stabilizing effect on the NMDA pathway, which is uh, a, a memory that's important in um, long-term potentiation. We talked about the last LTP. Okay, what about bad things? Um, people aren't violent. It's hard to get a lot of data on this right now because it's still illegal in most places. So it's hard to get data on are people violent when they when they smoke, but they aren't. If you look at data uh, from like crime reports, the police they tend to take very detailed reports. Very, very rarely is it two guys got really high and got into an argument and started shooting each other. It doesn't happen. It happens with alcohol. Makes, as I said here, crazy people go nuts. In other words, if you've had psychotic episodes, you should not be smoking marijuana. It's a bad idea. We talked about this the other day. If you smoke too much, you can have what they used to call in the 60s a freakout. That's just getting too high and getting paranoid. As your bad friends telling you the cops are coming. Yeah. What about grinning out? Like when someone gets too high, they vomit and like they oh. can't like keep their head up. Oh sure. I mean, you can have so you can get really smoke a lot. Yeah. Happen to. Um, I don't actually know why that happens. <coughs> I think a lot of times that happens because people do other stupid things. They find that they drink equipment with a couple of beers or they eat all the lunch and they just get some sick. I haven't seen anybody, like I said, in my experience do that, but I mean, I know it does happen. Do you think it has anything to do with the increased anxiety? Yeah, it could, be, it could be like a sympathetic nervous system reaction. You're throwing up from the anxiety as opposed to throwing up from the actual... Well, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. That's a, that's a good guess. I don't actually know the answer to that. Good question. Is it a gateway drug? Uh, no. 
Now, you'll say, well, wait, most heroin users abuse marijuana. This is true. In fact, more heroin users abuse marijuana than non-heroin users. Okay. But correlation is not equal to causation. Most marijuana users don't become heroin users either. The gateway drug theory is probably a crock, almost certainly a crock. Does it have reproductive effects? Uh, it's hard to study these things long term again because it's so far it's not been legal for very long. Right. So eventually, when we can do some long term studies, we'll see this. We'll see if it actually does have cancer, or lung disease. Yes, sure. I mean, I'm certain that. Sucking smoke into your lungs is bad for you. On the other hand, people aren't smoking 25 joints a day. Right? With today's marijuana, you take something off of one hit and you're done. This isn't even like this. You know, the marijuana available now was not your, your parents' marijuana and it wasn't your grandparents' because your grandparents did it too. It wasn't their marijuana that they had in the 60s. Uh, it's about 12 to 15 times stronger than it was in the, in the stuff that people were smoking at Woodstock. If you gave, they would, they made, you see those pictures from the 60s of people like sucking down a whole joint, and you probably know now that if you did that, you'd be high for a week. Right? A little one hitter. Done. Yes? Yeah. So no one's smoking. First of all, you couldn't find your weed after five joints anyway. I don't even know where it is. Probably going to maybe eat some of this canned corn and go to sleep. No. So it's one of those things where uh, it's different than, say, smoking cigarettes. So is it good for your lungs? No. There's no, not a chance in hell. But, and if you smoke it the same amount you smoke cigarettes, you'd be in real trouble. On the other hand, it's probably no different at this point than, say, living near a steel plant. It doesn't have any carcinogens. But the smoke itself probably, I mean, you hear that, but... Higher, it has a higher tar uh, concentration than cigarettes. Yeah. But there's no carcinogen. So. But the tar in of itself, uh, probably, the, problem, the, the, the problem with this is, again, doing the experiments, doing the long-term studies on human tar, it does seem to show uh, increased likelihood of lung cancer in, of cancers, in rats, but rats aren't also smoking. As funny as that would be. Maybe little rats smoke have a little tiny one here. Right? Or maybe they can put a an anesthesia mask over their face and have it hooked up have it hooked up to a pill bottle that also has okay that's specific and maybe some friends of mine did that when we go to medical school. Um all right. So what you're saying is vape it. Yeah. That's what that basically was. He called it Mr. Happy. Okay. So this one's pretty short, which is why we could do two in one day. But any questions about marijuana before we move on and talk about LSD and such? I just have one question. Yes, please. Um, most of those studies that were going on, do you know if there were strain specific or it was just a generalization that they get closer to the well, depends on what they were done. They would mostly be sativa. But again, the idea that so the high, high THC or low, the, the low ratio of CBD to THC. Yeah. 
typically. Or using, some of these things just use THC. Like you can get THC. The molecule was, was discovered at Purdue University in the early 70s. And people were doing experiments with it. A lot of the stuff things about like affecting a lot of the psychological experiments that were done with it, you actually drank a tea that was made of nothing but THC. Uh, old prof of mine said he was going to school there and he hated the fact that he, he sometimes would sign up for a study and then you go, I'm in the control room. I know it. I can't believe it. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about hallucinogenics. Basically, these are substances that add less than poison levels, <laughs> less than LD50. And oftentimes they're visual. So LSD. Hoffman, who was a Swiss chemist, synthesized this molecule, LSD, and he ingested a quarter of a milligram. Now, I don't know if you know how acid is measured, but it's measured in micrograms. When it's... That's a lot of acid he took. That's somewhere between... 100 and 400 hits of acid at once. He lived well into his 90s. Okay, he was like I said I before. He was probably busy for about a week. <laughs> it was made illegal uh, in the United States and here and other countries in the mid 1960s. It was such a a rare drug that there was no need to have a law about. So LSD is taken orally usually, um, in your mouth or your eye. <laughs> you ever seen me ever heard about this? People put, I put a micro dot in my eye, man. Way to go. It's very impressive. Why didn't you just put it in your mouth? There's no reason to put it in your eye. Or other mucous membranes. You hear people say, you know where else you can, I don't want to know. You put it anywhere you want, but you can also just, like that, on a sugar cube. It's easy. But no, you want to put it in your eye because you're, Cool. People are really something. Like, people are stupid, right? Oh, here's some LSD. A lot of acid here, little micro dots. Uh, here's uh, a lot of acid that's already Bart Simpson water, which is nice. It's a great urban legend that people who sell acid are putting them on cartoon character little blotters and then giving them out to children because they want to get children they want to get children LSD because it's going to get them hooked first of all you don't get hooked on LSD that's the first thing secondly why would a business person give out free samples to customers that, are to customers that aren't ever going to be able to buy it and finally it turned out though that then people who sold drugs heard about these urban legends and started literally making Bart Simpson LSD and Mickey Mouse LSD because people, would, people who were buying it would say, do you have any of the stuff you give the kids with Bart Simpson on it or with, with, with Mickey Mouse on it or Bugs Bunny? They go, what? I guess I can make some. So it's funny, the urban legend ended up driving uh, this today. And you would see these warnings. We would get them in, in elementary school in the early 70s. Bring home a note from the Toronto Police Department. The drug pushers are, sell, are giving LSD and they come in... 
No, they're not. I remember my mother looking at this way. I don't think this is true. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. What is this about? I'm six. I'll go back to reading the paper. I was an odd one. I didn't know much about drugs. I was more interested in what was going on in Vietnam. I really was. I was a really strange kid. So what these drugs tend to be, do is they tend to be like a certain neurotransmitter. So LSD is like serotonin. So it's like you're taking a lot of serotonin all at once when you take LSD. So LSD has a half-life about 110 minutes. So you can see you're going to have a long night. Like that's... Magic mushrooms are psilocybin are similar. They're also uh, serotonin-like, operate in the serotonin system. The difference is they're very unpleasant to, to eat. We have big scoops of peanut butter. We're into a, maybe into a vile-tasting tea. Morning glory seeds. Morning glory is a, a plant. Flowering plant. And in fact, you, if you go to Canadian Tire shortly, when they open up the little garden center, you can buy morning glory seeds. And you can eat, you know, 10 packages of them and hallucinate. Or not. The other thing you could do is not do that, because that's stupid. You probably, if you really want to get acid, you could probably find some. I'm not saying you should drop acid, I'm saying just don't put it in your eye. That's all. <laughs> don't put those seeds in your eye. That would be a thing. I'm just putting those seeds in my eye, man. There's got to be some dummy that tried that. A harmine, which we've actually mentioned before, which is you don't see much anymore. Photine, which is uh, toad licking. Wait, what? Okay. There's a kind of toad in Australia that has a defense, has a chemical on it, and it secretes this chemical. And when other animals eat one of these toads, they're very brightly colored, if you know a little bit about animal behavior, this is called uh, aposematism. Okay, they're very bright, they colored uh, blue, basically almost, and with spots, and they give off this compound, and it makes their predator hallucinate, which is an exceedingly unpleasant experience for everything but a human. Very few, like, I don't know, so it's Australia, I don't know, wombats, are looking to push the doors of perception, man. That's not what they're trying to do. They want to eat. I don't think wombats even eat meat, but I'm just, I don't know many Australian animals. Wait a second, that's not a knife. It is that. That's my impression of a wombat hallucinating knives. Nothing? Yep. Uh, what's, what's the name of that drug that mimics a uh, neurotransmitter that's released before death? Yeah. Oh, DMT. Is yeah, that we'll what, talk about that. Is that the same as toad licking? No, no, this, he's, this is a serotonin. This is like taking acid. This is okay, serotonin. because there's toads that, uh, that contain, what, what is it? DMT. DMT. DMT, there's toads that contain that too. Right. But that also will make you lose it. Yeah, and then the, the thing was, this was, we'll talk about this second. Because when this was discovered, it's like, they're, then people said, you know what's probably happening? I bet people in Australia are making codes. And they aren't. It's completely a media fabrication, which is wonderful. Australia is the most urbanized country literally in the world. 89% of people, something like that, live in cities. You know what you can get in cities? Drugs. You don't need to go into the outback and go, I wonder if there's any codes we can lick. 
Crikey, I can't phone any tags. You know, that doesn't happen. You go down to the corner and say, go to the acid, they sell you acid. I, I don't know how easy it is to get acid in Australia. All I'm saying is it's probably easier to go and looking for toads to lick. Have people licked toads since? Yes. Again, you get media panic and people go, that looks like a good idea. Maybe I'll rub one in my eye. You know, it's probably, again, there's probably some mates, mates, right? In Australia, uh, they've just done that. So then there's norepinephrine and acetylcholine-like drugs, uh, MDMA. This is, remember, ecstasy. I'm putting ecstasy here, but ecstasy is also amphetamine-like. So, but it also can create hallucinations. So you can talk about it in the place. STP, mescaline. <coughs> mescaline is, has no relation whatsoever to mescal, which is like tequila. Literally none. The worm that is in a bottle of mezcal at the bottom is not full of mescaline. Anybody who thinks that also probably thinks that there's that lettuce called mescaline. Maybe they didn't eat some of that. They put it in your eye. Um, nothing to do with each other. They have similar sounding names. Uh, I don't know what it stands for. <laughs> I don't know what it stands for. I don't know what it stands for. It's something that's... Uh, it's a norepinephrine-like, uh, yes, that's just norepinephrine-like. And it's, it just produces hallucinations. You smoke it. Uh, it was big in the late 60s, nobody has it. Yeah, it's, it's not something you see. In the 60s, um, basically, people would smoke anything or do anything, anything they could find. That's it was. Nutmeg is an acetylcholine-like drug in very large quantities. Big nutmeg challenge. Um, you couldn't eat enough nutmeg to actually, well, you probably could, but it would be, see, like, you'd have to eat, like, 300 grams of nutmeg. You'd never have to put nutmeg in anything in your life, because your mouth just tastes like nutmeg for the rest of your life. Or you can put it in your eye, again. Don't put nutmeg in your eye. Mandrake, oh, that's, uh, mandrake and deadly nightshade are related to potatoes. And tomatoes. Potatoes uh, are, are, are a nightshade. I don't take anything that has the name deadly in it. That's sort of my, one of my rules. Oh, what drugs do you have? Well, we have marijuana. We have some alcohol. There's some cigarettes over there. And here's a thing that has the word death actually in it. No, I'll avoid that. Thanks. These are used, mandrake and deadly nightshade were used as poisons uh, in ancient times and in uh, middle, uh, middle Ages, but also used to, to for example, induce abortion, abortions in women. Use this, this traditional medicine, traditional, call it, traditional Western medicine, we call it that. PCP or angel dust, uh, again, this is something that isn't very common anymore. It's common in the Senate. PCPs uh, does have a liking reaction, not just because of hallucinations, uh, it, it also gets you kind of high. But it's easy overdose. A lot of people die. And one thing you can say with drug dealers is they are business people, and when you kill your clientele, they don't buy anymore. So it's hard to find angel dust. Special K or ketamine, right? No, ketamine, the club drug, horse tranquilizer. Yeah. Um, it's acetylcholine-esque. 
So top left here we have LSD. So that's, no, sorry, that's harming. That is LSD. That is psilocybin. Those are psilocybin mushrooms. And that is Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary was a professor of behavioral sciences at Harvard University. Timothy Leary. There's a way to get your tenure moved. And that way is handing out magic mushrooms in class. That'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah, Larry, I was doing this to the best of intentions. It wasn't like he was trying to sell drugs. I'm not, okay? Uh, there are people who think he's the greatest psychologist of all time. Most of those people don't know enough psychology to know that that's not true. But he was doing this with the best of intentions, the idea of opening, extending your mind, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, you're fired. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, there's academic freedom, then there's handing out drugs. Don't do that. I'm for one of these classes once a student came up to me and handed me a bunch of weed. I said, you can't do that. That's not. That's very kind of you, but I can't take that. You know what kind of trouble we can both get in for that? Don't do that. Don't hand out illegal drugs to professors. It's a weird, you know, really, that's a crime. Don't commit crimes. Also, that's kind of bribey. Buy me a bottle of scotch. You, know, uh, <laughs> you want to give me something? Here's the list of scotches and gins I left. Chuck. Now, next fall, if someone did that. I still wouldn't take it, probably. There one. It was just funny, because I, I would take alcohol. Because I don't know why that is. Next, uh, after the course is done, I wouldn't do it. I'd never take a gift during the time. Be weird. Once I've marked all the stuff, uh, I feel I can't change anything at that point. So yeah. Some people never take gifts, and I guess they're more ethical than I understand. That's probably because they never get them offered to them, though. Um, <laughs> uh, tolerance to most of these drugs develops pretty quickly, so then if you take a hit of acid, take another hit of acid, you're going to need more to get the same effect. And then it disappears, so the next time you take acid, it's pretty much the same. The amount you need. You get little or no withdrawal from these drugs, uh, typically, again, but the problem with them, except uh, ecstasy, the issue here is, of course, not the withdrawal, but where you end up because you're hallucinating things. That's what makes, the drugs themselves aren't dangerous pharmacologically. They're very dangerous behaviorally. Almost impossible. Could you? Yeah, but look, Hoffman took 250 hits of acid, he was fine. I mean, you can't really overdose on these drugs. You have a better chance of having a psychotic break. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can end up, especially if you have bad psychotic uh, episodes before, taking these drugs is a real mistake. Um, or you could end up having a really, just a really unpleasant, a bad trip, right? So you end up being frightened for eight hours. That doesn't sound like, that's a that's a roll of the dice. I don't want, that's a, yeah, I'm not rolling those nuts. Those that's my view on LSD. I've never touched the stuff because it's like... Also, something a kid with a, with a grade 10 lab bench skills can make? No. Not my thing. Uh, it's hard to get known humans to self-administer these drugs, which makes sense. The biggest effects are perceptual. So they aren't right on the reward system. It's that some people find perceptual effects reward. 
So unlike every other drug we've talked about that has street value, these drugs do not affect the reward system. Not even in DMD? Uh, oh yeah, that'd be the exception. Sorry, that'd be the exception. There's some promising research being done with LSD at end of life care. Um, it's being done in, <coughs> not in the United States. This is being done in Switzerland, which is where LSD was first synthesized. The idea here is giving people LSD in a controlled setting with like a guide to a trip, right? And that's, if you've never taken LSD before, you take it with someone who you trust implicitly, who's not going to screw with you. Because it, when you say, the walls are coming in on me, you're, you don't want someone going, I know. They are, aren't they? <laughs> you don't want that. You want someone to say, it's okay. Just enjoy it. It's just an effect of the drug. That's what you want. So you take it with somebody you implicitly trust. So we're doing this with a therapist here, end-of-life care people that are terminal cancer patients being given LSD. And people report being more at peace with the idea that they're dying. Wow. That's cool. I mean, that's nice. But then the risk of a bad trip is that money even higher if death is around the corner? Not in the stuff I've read. There's no problem. I think they're probably pretty careful to scream. Another heroin. No, 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 they're not dead. They're, it's end of life care, so like they're yeah, yeah, but yeah. you said that there, there's some places that oh, sure. administer heroin at the end. Yeah, yeah. But I still don't want to get anything. I think the nasty, the likelihood of nastiness is more with, with heroin because you might end up waking up in the morning and having a, a heroin hangover. You don't really get one from us. You could get a bad trip. I guess that's possible. Really? So that's from Gasser around 2014. People report gaining valuable insight, which, okay. And this is what Leary was talking about, right, with, with, with LSD, that people would gain insight into their life. There's a clinical trial that's been underway for using uh, ecstasy for post-traumatic stress disorder in British Columbia. This is with uh, soldiers that have come back to the war in Afghanistan and giving them ecstasy. That's underway right now. Let's see how that goes. There's a few that already. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's more of these things that are coming up too, so. Yeah. Possible bad things. Um, LSD is exceedingly, uh, so it's bad, you know, sorry, OD, overdosing is really rare on these things. For acid mushrooms, it's almost impossible. More likely, probably, to get mushrooms that are actually poison mushrooms than, than you don't know what you're doing, so you've got poison mushrooms, not magic mushrooms. Much more likely. As I said, psychotic reactions are possible. Now, the thing is, you can't overdose, but you can take so much acid that you think it makes sense to stand on top of a cop car and try to rip the uh, light off. I know someone who did that. <laughs> Spent the night in jail. What's that? I don't know how much acid he took, but it was enough to do something to do that, and that's too much. <laughs> to my mind, that's too much. Flashbacks are real uh, from LSD. Uh, so you can conceivably, ten years later, suddenly have the same hallucination. Explanation. It's not that the drugs are in your system anymore. It's not that. It's almost certainly that 
the retrieval cues. So you walk around, it's like something brings back a memory very quickly. Right? That's probably what explains flashbacks. One of the things you'll often hear from people who are just say no types causes chromosomal damage. These were things done in the 1960s where you took LSD and put it on cells in a petri dish. Yeah, sure. It screws with the mitosis. So does pouring mother's milk on it. I mean, that's not, no, that's silly. That's complete. That's a crock. I'm not saying these drugs are safe and you should all do them. I'm saying that they're pretty, like, well, LSD is a pretty safe drug, but you've got to do it with somebody who can guide you through it. Okay, and yeah, the biggest problem here is a lot of times you're buying this stuff from bad people. Same thing with when we talk heroin and cocaine and stuff like that. A lot of times you're buying these drugs from people that are not very scrupulous. From criminals. Criminals tend to be not as nice as non-criminals, as a rule, sort of thing. All right, questions about that? I guess you can see how we couldn't do that. We had a whole class on that. And I don't have any good stories about this, because most of my friends didn't do this. Oh, yeah, please, sorry. Because they can create hallucinations, and you've already had hallucinations. Yeah, it just it triggers sort of a, a, a psychotic episode, which you don't want. Anything else? Good question. All right, everyone. Remember, you have a test coming up two days from today, which I just photocopied. So it's final. It's, it's now in the uh, no more changes. Thanks, everybody. To yourself, mind like a switchblade Heart doubled over in pain You let your body overflow Hide your instinct good and deep As the world just goes to hell Throw my clothes out in the street Hang me on your wall, yeah
listening to the lecture um all of the audio is available of course on itunes or whatever podcatcher you're using just search for da- uh, dr dave broadbeck's uh, psychology lectures in algoma university which is the most ungainly title ever uh these are released under a sh- uh, um, creative commons copyright share like 3.0 canada uh you can't use these for commercial purposes um you feel free to share them uh and feel free to match them up any way you want but if you do that that means i get to do the same thing with your stuff Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcasts, uh, like Podsafe Music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me, and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, what I call them show notes or blog posts. So uh, you know, buy these people's music; they're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>